0: Aloha, y'all! Welcome to the Esports Futurai eZine podcast, where we chat it up with your favorite celebrities, influencers, local heroes, and people of all walks of life as we reveal the unexpected connection they have to the gaming industry. I'm your host, Chantel Boucher. Well, hello, hello, and aloha, y'all. Aloha, y'all. I can't even (laughs) talk today. This is Chantel Boucher. With another episode of Esports Future E-Zine podcast, and I have my very special guest today here with me, Charles Conroy.
1: Hey, how are you, you doing? Aloha, y'all.
0: Aloha, y'all. <laughs> yes, I know it's my thing; it's what I do. You know, being from Hawaii now in Texas, it seems appropriate.
1: Yeah, I think you're you're like melding cultures left and right. So I feel I love it.
0: I feel like it. I feel like it. So, Mr. Charles over here across from me, I have had the joyous, wonderful uh, privilege to hang out with him even before this and uh, he's just such a stand-up good guy and a really amazing businessman
1: thank you very much and in the gaming
0: industry too especially which is so interesting so we want to learn more about you let's start at the beginning yeah (laughs) let's go (laughs) when you were born in
1: (laughs) march 30th 1987 on a stormy eve in connecticut
0: Oh my goodness. You were born in nineteen eighty seven.
1: I was born in nineteen eighty seven. Oh my god, I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> whatever.
0: A, I mean, I was born in ninety-three.
1: There you go. I wasn't, but whatever. Well, we'll tell me so
0: so okay. So tell me a little bit about your background. You know, where are you from? How did you end up in Texas?
1: Yeah. So I'll try to give you sort of the abbreviated version. Yeah. Uh, grew up in Connecticut. Lived in Europe for a little while for high school. Came back to the U which is where my gaming career pretty much started. Mm-hmm. Counter-Strike was really big in Europe. I mm-hmm. played it, came back to the U.S. and managed a team that became pretty big here in the United States. And then we won some qualifiers to travel around the world and represent the United States at the World Cup in Paris. And we went to Korea and filmed the TV show. Love it. Yeah. And then, and then TV came along and started the Championship Gaming Series, which was the first city-based league. Mm-hmm. And it was on linear television. We had the draft at the Playboy Mansion. Everyone got their own apartments in L.A., NFL producers were behind it.
0: Crazy.
1: Yeah, I was a 19 year old, actually here in Dallas, going to SMU, and I got tapped to run the Dallas team in the league, the Dallas Venom. Yeah. Insane experience at 19, Uh right? Rolling into the gates of the Playboy Mansion in the back of a limo, being like, "What is my life? All for (laughs) esports?"
0: And in such a short amount of time.
1: It was crazy. It was crazy. Uh So that unfortunately flamed out. They Mm -hmm. they spent a lot of money a little too quickly, about 45 million in two seasons. Wow, um, what does
0: that money go like for people? I mean, they hear about billions of dollars being spent in the gaming industry. And this is a great example of, you know, maybe a, a wrong way to spend some of the money, but what yeah. are those, what is the money going towards with stuff like that?
1: So they were like, their biggest problem is they were too early. Uh, this was mm. 2007. This is pre Twitch. I, I view gaming as pre Twitch and post Twitch, basically, is uh-huh. like how I look at esports. I mean, they were paying producers five hundred thousand to a million dollars a season because they were like the best NFL producers. They brought in the best talent, and the intentions were great. Yeah, but the execution was was off. Yeah, amazing experience to be a part of, though. Unfortunately, after that, kind of fizzled. The mm-hmm. U.S. gaming industry was really hurt, esports specifically, because yeah. uh, people felt that if these guys couldn't do it with forty-five million dollars, like who who can? Yeah, right? absolutely. And so that was a sort of a dark time to be in esports. And a great friend of mine, Jason Lake and I, and another friend of ours, Jason Bass, relaunched Complexity Gaming, which was an incredible experience. <laughs> heard
0: of that? I've heard of that before. <laughs> yeah.
1: So that was a crazy ride, right? We had no money. We had players that had been on TV for two years, though, and felt that was valuable. We had a lot of experience in the space, and, and we knew some people. Yeah. We put all that together. I flew out to CES in Vegas, and I walked out of there with about $70,000 in commitments from sponsors to restart the team. Yeah, made no money the first few years. We're kind of living off the, the money we'd saved from CGS. And eventually we had our own product line in Best Buy, which is really exciting. We had Champions Talk to me and, a
0: little bit about that as far as the products that you had going out there.
1: For sure. So we kind of took the, I like to call it the fatality model because uh-huh. my good friend John sort of started it by being the first celebrity gamer to endorse a product line. Mm-hmm. And the business model, if you can, if you can get it, is it, pretty great because there's no upfront cost to the team. Gotcha. Right, you. Mm-hmm. You get sent a, a product that you're going to endorse and you basically beat the hell out of it. Like yeah. you criticize everything you don't like and they come back with iteration after iteration until it's good enough for the team to be like, yeah, we'll put our stamp on this. Uh-huh. And for that, you know, level of testing and and contribution, you get your logo on it and you get a percentage of sales. But you're not responsible for inventory. If it doesn't sell, you're not taking on the back product.
0: Yep. The extra responsibilities on there. Totally. Mm-hmm. It's all upside. Yep. Yep.
1: Um, so getting those deals were, were tough. But once we had our headset and our sound card that sold really well, mm-hmm. we then had some graphic card partners and, and it sort of was a an avalanche of of success there. And we had five branded products that we had a mouse pad and then you know, Twitch came out. And this is sort of the post Twitch era of esports that I that I talk about that we're in now where yeah. sports teams saw how many people were watching esports. Mm -hmm. And we got taken seriously from a financial level and investment level uh, as an industry and being the oldest team in North America, which complexity is still the longest running team in North American history. Mm
0: -hmm. So what year was that then?
1: This was this was two and a half years ago. So it was like 2017. Yeah. You know, the America's team came knocking. And that, of course, is the Dallas Cowboys here here in Dallas, (laughs) Texas. Aloha, y'all.
0: Aloha, y'all. And (laughs)
1: And... You know, Jerry Jones came and knocked on our door. Uh, I heard of that guy before. Yeah, not personally, obviously. <laughs> That'd a, be cool, though. A guy who worked for a guy who worked for a guy who worked for Jerry. I of think, course. Email us. <laughs> and, you know, it was a long, crazy process. You know, Jason was out as sort of our representative. Yeah. And would meet with them. And then he would come back and we'd sort of war room it and we'd go back and forth, them and back and forth. And then the deal became very real. Yeah. And it came down to really the final hours of negotiation on they wanted what we wanted and we ended up with a deal that everyone was really happy with and I ended up exiting the company fully and I all the other partners and Lake is now the CEO and is running it and killing it doing a great awesome. job over there awesome and I'll, I'll have the crazy distinction of having sold the company to the Cowboys for forever now which is kind of cool
0: yeah who? <laughs> how many people could say that especially yeah. like at your age and just a history that led up to all of this like your journey has been crazy what do you feel like From that time you started until now, besides that highlight with Jerry, what are the other highlights that have like those milestones where you're like, this is like a game changer. Like what doors did that even open up after that?
1: So I have an incredible job now at the company called The Switch. I love Mm -hmm. it over there. We're the world's largest uh, live event broadcaster. So we do the PGA. We just did the Latin Grammys last weekend. We'll be doing the Grammy Grammys coming up. So we take a signal from any live event and distribute it around the world. We also help produce some of these events. Like we did the picks for the Grammys, this like the nominations rather. Yeah. Which is obviously very different in 2020. Oh, be- oh,
0: I was just going to say, like, what are the changes for you? I mean, especially because, we know, we have a lot of uh, our listeners and viewers are in the entertainment industry, too, as well. And even though this is so gaming, people don't realize how traditional businesses are linked to the gaming industry, too, as well. Totally. But what speak to a little bit more about that.
1: So I run the gaming division at the Switch and yeah. we support Call of Duty League, Overwatch League, ESL, Blast Pro Series by both an infrastructure perspective, like mm-hmm. providing actual Internet at the right. events. And then from a distribution perspective, taking that signal and sending it around the world to wherever it needs to go. Mm-hmm. And I say this all the time. I think esports can really learn from traditional sports in some ways and traditional oh, sports abs- can learn from esports. in some.
0: Absolutely. One hundred and ten percent. What do you think is the biggest difference between the two?
1: Frankly, I think an esports broadcast is a lot harder to pull off than a traditional sports broadcast because there's so much more going on. Yeah. You're getting actual player feeds. I mean, not to say an NFL broadcast is easy because it's certainly not. <laughs> yeah. But like yeah. you have like four field shots. You might zoom in on a player. You don't have to look at every player's helmet cam.
0: Oh yeah. Totally. So
1: an esports broadcast is a lot more going on. There's a lot more to manage. And I think traditional broadcasters are learning from it.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And I you know it's so crazy too, isn't I really love to educate people on you know, the possibilities of them getting involved with their passions in the gaming industry. So we'd mm. love to like bring all angles and say, hey, like there's a place for everybody here. Even if you're not a gamer, like I wouldn't consider myself a huge gamer. And people yeah. have heard me talk on the show before, like I, t- I play Super Mario Brothers, <laughs> original <laughs> NES. And guess what? I can murder anyone in you're it. You're an OG gamer. I'm an OG gamer. So like all my stuff that I have is like Super Mario stuff. But I have such a passion for the industry itself. Yeah. And and can you maybe also start speaking a little bit more to some of the other angles of opportunities that are out there for entrepreneurs and business owners and maybe give totally. them some advice if they're looking to tap into the gaming industry with their passions that they have in other areas even if they're not a gamer.
1: Yeah, so the first thing to to notice is gaming is the most popular form of entertainment in the world. More so than it music, is. more so than movies. So if you tell someone you want to work in the gaming industry, and they scoff at you, frankly, they're an idiot, right? Because of course. Uh, if you said you wanted to work in the music or movie industry, they'd applaud you and say how creative and amazing that is. <laughs> yeah. And those industries are smaller. Yeah. So small-minded people have small-minded ideas. And I don't think True you should. Story. yeah, and I don't think you should let them affect your opinion at all. So yeah, when I started working in eSports, a lot of people didn't get it. I had to explain it to a lot of people, and what's cool now is I don't have to explain it to a lot of people what esports is. Yeah. And that's awesome. So whatever you, if, if you're a gamer and you want to work in the gaming industry, there's a role for whatever you want to do. If you want to be an accountant that mm-hmm. focuses on gaming, you can do that. If you mm-hmm. want to be a lawyer that focuses on gaming, you can do that. So any traditional job you can think of, there is a need for it within gaming. Just add gaming to that job. The, the gaming marketing people that I see that that do these game launches and I mean, outside of obviously designers that create these wonderful games that are super talented. Oh yeah, absolutely. And have a skill set, I I can't even wrap my head around because they're so smart. Yeah, me either. Yeah, I mean, these guys are geniuses. Yeah. And girls are geniuses, you know, yes. these people rather. Are I appreciate geniuses. that. <laughs> yeah. But you know, whatever you want to do as a profession, you can do that within the gaming industry. And and because the gaming industry is evolving so much faster than say the movie industry, than the television industry, than really any other traditional form of entertainment, you can create a new idea. And have it be actualized much faster than you can in a Mm -hmm. entertainment industry that's stagnant.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I love how you compared it to being in the movie industry. It's almost like saying, "Oh, I can't be in the movie industry because I'm not an actress" or something like that. Exactly. Why? I mean, you. Most of the people in the movie industry are not actresses, and I feel like that's. What needs to be understood and relayed to people out there now these days is like, yeah, it's the esports and gaming industry, but you know, there's a very people who are in the esports. Esports, the percentage is very low. Correct. I mean, do you even know what that is?
1: I, I I don't even want to be misquoted right now, but I I would say esports is it for sure under one percent. of yeah. Overall gaming, I would say
0: kind of the same thing too. Like, yeah, it's it's just so small. And but you have like the everyday gamers are the things, the people that keep it strong, I guess, too, as well, but.
1: And there and in esports and, and mainstream gaming are sort of coming together more. Yeah. Like if you look at titles like Call of Duty, a ton of Call of Duty players watch Call of Duty League even if they don't aspire to be a pro player. Because of the way they present it. Right. So so there's some bridges being made there, which I think is really cool. And I, I think we need to continue to meld casual gaming and pro gaming and make pro gaming sort of approachable to casual gamers without yeah. watering it down and watering down the product.
0: Absolutely. That's a great point. I also like to know, like, what do you kind of forecast for twenty twenty one in the esports and gaming industry? Yeah, uh, maybe on a positive and even a negative note, or maybe just a challenge that you see we might have because of the world right now.
1: Yeah, totally. I get asked this question a lot. I'm sure you over do. The last sixty days <laughs> from a lot of people. From our perspective at the Switch and in my perspective on the broadcast side, you're going to see a lot more studio shows. Yeah. So you're not going to be seeing people going back to the Barclays Center January 1st uh-huh. or American Airlines here in Dallas. Yeah. Uh, you'll see confined studio shows where everyone's been COVID tested, everyone's safe, there's not a live audience. And I think that'll be the first iteration of in-person events. Yeah. The biggest challenge you're going to see are regions playing each other, right? North America playing Europe, playing Asia is not going to happen online. which of yeah. a ping issue. So that they don't have the ability because of travel bans or because they're not comfortable mm-hmm. to get together and play. We're not going to be seeing something that I love about esports, the global competition.
0: I know. And that's going
1: to bum me out. Yeah. But it's not forever. This is a moment in time.
0: Yeah, And
1: for real. esports was poised to have its biggest year. And, and I, I cannot stress this enough. The biggest year in esports was 2020 with the amount of live events that were about to be executed.
0: Mm-hmm. At the switch,
1: we were looking at like 150 live events that we were going to support, you know, and, and it ended up being like 22, yeah, because COVID hit early and 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 everything shut down. It's not like people are scrapping that 2020 vision that they had and saying, "Well, we're not going to do that anymore." Adjusting, yeah, th- <laughs> it's going to happen. Everyone still yeah. wants to do that, absolutely. And as soon as it's safe and, and cool to do so, people will be back in arenas, absolutely. And people are excited to get back there, and they can't wait to get back there as soon as it's safe to do so from. Whatever mandates, you know, you're looking at.
0: Yeah. Do you think it would be safe to say, because like in my opinion, like because 2020 happened like this and people were stuck at home, I mean, there was definitely an influx in people playing more and more games, purchasing more games. So now I feel like the audience for 2021 is going to be much broader than it even was before. Would you think that would be true?
1: Absolutely. And I think there's the the best case in point is when there were literally no sports and esports was on uh tv and was like the thing to, to bet on from a yeah. gambler perspective <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a lot of like my buddies that are you know, I love very much but are gen gamblers a few of them are calling me <laughs> and they're like I don't know what these words mean but face <laughs> plan is playing fanatic Who do I put 200 bucks on and I would laugh and like that's how they got into esports and then they checked it out I'm like this is awesome <laughs> yeah so a lot of fans were exposed to it that way and yeah. are you gonna retain everyone now that live sports is back no but you have new fans that you didn't have before and so exactly. the overall numbers are gonna grow
0: yeah, the audience has grown, which means that, you know, as far as advertisers, sponsorships and whatnot, all the different verticals that they target, that's going to grow for them too as well. Now, from a business perspective for 2021, speak a little bit more to that on like what you would like to see happen.
1: Yeah. So from a sponsorship perspective, like let's yeah. start right there, every brand should have an esports strategy right now. That's a major brand. If they don't, they're already behind. Yeah and, yeah, and if they're just starting to formulate one now, they're they're 10 steps behind. They're not too late because the industry's not like dead, right? It's, yeah. it's growing at, at a rocket ship rate. Uh-huh. So if you're not in, get in now. If uh-huh. you're already in, make sure you're doing it right. Uh-huh. And if you're doing it right, continue to do it better.
0: Yeah, and what would you say to people or who are business owners or have large companies that are like, well, I don't know if that's our demographic or this or this or this because that is not true. At all. I mean, yeah. literally everybody, I mean, the demographic is... Everyone in yeah. esports and gaming and like what what points could you make to that to like encourage them well, to advertise or put sponsorships into the esports?
1: I mean some real quick stats just to from the top of my head. Yeah, you know 16 to well, actually you really 14 to 32 year old males. And females, right? It's not just males. Yeah. It's gaming, casual gaming spe- specifically, is basically 50 50. Yeah. It is the most desirable demographic to have. They have the most yeah. disposable income because mm-hmm. they don't have families yet. Mm-hmm. And they have incredible brand loyalty because you're still choosing what kind of car you're gonna drive. For, you know, most people, when they buy a car, stick to a brand for yeah. a number of iterations of that car. Yeah. Um, they're getting their first car, they're gonna stick to a brand. Simple things like toothpaste are going to stick to a brand. Yeah. So when they're developing who they're going to be loyal to for the rest of their life, that's during this age group. Also, you know, they don't watch like commercials on TV or read the news. So how how are you going to reach them? Right. A commercial on the radio? No, that's not going to work.
0: I mean, I don't even I don't even watch television. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I actually just signed up for TV last night. I didn't have live TV for a while. <laughs> really? I moved down here two months ago. And honestly, I think my girlfriend wanted to watch Bravo. And so I had to sign up for Hulu TV. But uh, yeah, I was watching like Netflix and, and I watched a lot of Twitch. But now I And do. YouTube.
0: I'm, I'm a big YouTube fan. I'm I'll go down some
1: YouTube. wormholes on YouTube.
0: Oh my God, I know. I'm like, why am I watching this Asian person eat noodles in the middle of, at, at three o'clock in the morning?
1: Yeah, like four hours later, I'm like, wow. That, <laughs> that, that, that Wayfair conspiracy really is interesting <laughs> or something true. crazy. And you're I like, know. let's watch 70 YouTube videos. So. I know. I'm I'm easily entertained, I guess. But yeah, I mean, look, this demographic, you want to reach it. This is a way to reach it. If you do it organically and intelligently, they will be loyal to you. And frankly, they smell BS in esports a mile away. Oh, my God. So if you come at it inauthentically, it's can actually hurt your brand.
0: Oh, absolutely. Strategy is super important. Sincerity is super important. And I think being able to have a a common connection between everybody, which we can all find commonalities with each other when we take a moment, you know?
1: Um, gaming is a great equalizer in a lot of ways. It is. I mean, whether you're male, female, whatever your sexual orientation is, whatever the color of your skin is, you know, you get in the sticks, whether you have a disability or not, you get in the sticks, like everyone's <laughs> equal. And I love that about gaming. And it.
0: I love that. And I love how you said disabilities too, as well. And because it just, it really truly doesn't put any boundaries on anybody i mean literally almost anyone can do it
1: yeah and and people generally in most look there's always gonna be toxic communities anything you do and anywhere yeah exactly but (laughs) in gaming at least from the live event perspective people that go to a live gaming event are generally incredibly nice people yeah that are super open-minded and just very kind and i love that about gaming it's what attracted me when i was 16 and one of the reasons i'm still in it is i like doing cool things with cool nice people
0: Yeah, imagine that.
1: Yeah, it's insane.
0: Imagine that.
1: And you'd be surprised, like, how hard that is to do. Like, if you want to be successful and you also want to do it with cool people that are kind, not always the easiest thing to do. And that that sucks. you You
0: (laughs) You know what I love about the gaming industry, too, to speak more to that, is in a lot of times in other types of sports, there's... I think more cattiness than there is in the gaming and esports industry. Totally. I've noticed, you know, 100%. like it's like, even that's another difference between the two is like when I'm the communities and stuff that I meet on, on both ends, not to talk bad about any other sports. I'm just saying it is what it is. People. Yeah, It's that's just how it is because you know, they're like big time celebrities where like they're on your Freaking Wheaties box and like, you know, they're um, Nike and things like that. And but the esports world because it is still up and coming and we still have so much more f- uh, further to go. That community, like you said, there's just this genuineness about them and kindness yeah. about them.
1: Totally. And and if you're not genuine and kind, you, you get a reputation. Like esports is not that big yet. Yeah. I mean, it's big. It, it's it's a huge multi you know billion dollar industry. Yeah. But at the same time, like. They don't have room for people that aren't aren't gonna
0: It comes from a little bit ball. more of a humble place too. Totally. You know? Totally Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Well I appreciate you coming on today and I Thank wanna you. keep having you back.
1: Yeah, well I'm local now. I am You're uh, local
0: now. For Whoa. eleven
1: years in New York, I am now a Dallas Texas. Was it eleven resident. years? Yeah, I was I was in I was in New York for eleven years and I had a had a blast and So go back there regularly. But Dallas, Texas is home now. So I'm I'm excited to come hang out whenever. I love
0: it. We're going to have him back. Mr. Charles Conroy, thank you so much again for stopping by, hanging out on the show. I'm going to keep stalking you like I usually do. (laughs) Uh, like I do so all my people me. and we'll have some drinks next time too as well. Sounds good. <laughs> Alright, <laughs> thank you everybody for watching. Chantel Boucher with the Esports Future Eye Easy Podcast. Until next time. Aloha y'all. Thanks for listening to the Esports Future Eye Easing Podcast. This podcast is part of the Esports Future Eye Podcast Network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and leave us a review.